Hi, my name is Sarah Rachel Brown. I'm a 30-something-year-old woman, and I live in Philadelphia. I'm a contemporary jeweler. And like many others, I am an artist trying to make a living. On this podcast, I'm going to broach the subject of value. I'll be talking to studio artists and performers, educators and administrators, and anyone else attempting to combine their creative endeavors with how they get a paycheck. Welcome to the last episode of Perceived Value in the year of 2019. Yeah, that's right. Next time you hear from me, we'll be in 2020. So... Happy holidays, listeners. I hope you all are able to spend some time doing something you love, whether that's spending time with family or chosen family or friends. Maybe it means spending time in your studio, making a bunch of work. Or maybe you don't really like the holidays and you just want to skip to January 2nd. Hey, I get that. Whatever it may be, I hope it's enjoyable. Today's interview was recorded in October, during the American Craft Council's conference, which took place right here in Philadelphia. The ACC gave Perceived Value the time and space to conduct interviews on site, and my next two episodes are the result of this event. So thank you to the ACC. I am a planner to almost a neurotic degree. I'm sure my friends or peers can attest to this. I find comfort in knowing that every detail has been thought of and meticulously planned for. I am well aware that this is a strength, but also quite a weakness at times. I am just not the type of person that can say, hey, don't worry about it, it'll all work out, without freaking out internally. I believe this personality trait, however, is well suited for podcasting. There's a lot of planning and logistics that go into making every episode and event happen. Why am I sharing this? Well, I'm sharing this because I want to make clear just how much it meant to me that my guests for my ACC conference event agreed to partake pretty much the day before the interviews were to happen. It was just one of those things where both of my guests that I had lined up had to cancel last minute, understandable, and I was left scrambling. So big thanks to Scott from the ACC for connecting me with one of my guests. And the other, today's guest, I called up and we had already established a friendship. So I simply said something like, hey, I'm a little desperate here. I really need you to do me this favor. I have to interview someone at 11 a.m. on Thursday morning during a busy conference. And you know, Adrian Dalton, like the angel she is, made time in her schedule for me. I describe Adrienne as just a really cool person. You've definitely heard her name on the podcast. She has great taste in music and eyewear. Her apartment in Richmond, Virginia is so adorable. And she seems to know so many talented, cool people. She's the person responsible for introducing me to my cool DJ friend, Ralph Darden. Uh, You guys remember that episode? If you haven't heard it, you should. I've been told it's a really good one. 
Adrian is the current editor of Metalsmith Magazine, which I believe is well-deserved and exciting because my impression of her is that she is someone open to new ideas, doesn't seem afraid of change, and definitely willing to take risks. A great example of these traits already in motion is the new Voices Writing Contest, which came about when Lauren Eckert, a recent graduate from Tyler School of Art right here in Philly, approached her and proposed the idea at the SNAG conference in Chicago this past May. And you know what? Kudos to Lauren to just walking up to the editor and being like, hey, I have this idea and I think you should do it. And you know, Adrian listened, felt it was a great idea, and the two of them made this contest a reality. I am all for more artists putting their voices out there. And I don't want to open Metalsmith Magazine and see the same authors over and over again. So yeah, I wish more people would be contributing to our field through their writing. And I am definitely going to read the full details of this contest because I hope plenty of you will take advantage of this opportunity. And keep in mind, it doesn't matter how old you are or how young you are, how experienced you are, or where you live. So international listeners, take note. Metalsmith Magazine's New Voices Writing Contest is open to anyone who has not published a feature-length article in print or online publication. Not sure what that means? Don't worry, they fully describe it on the website. In celebration of its 40th year of publication, Metalsmith Magazine invites new and aspiring writers to submit proposals. Do you have a research topic that feels congruent with the varieties of content featured in Metalsmith? Or are you interested in broadening the discourse within the fields of jewelry, metalworking, adornment, design, and craft? Do you have a fresh perspective, unique voice, or radical idea? They want to hear about it. The selected proposal will be published as a feature-length article in the 41st volume of Metalsmith and awarded $650 US dollars at the time of publication. All submissions to new voices may be evaluated for future publishing opportunities. So, you know, this is not just all about winning the contest. It's all about cultivating new writers. Submissions are free, and it's a fairly easy online application found at snagmetalsmith.org, which will be linked in the episode details and on the website of the podcast. Applications are open, and you have until midnight on February 16th, 2020 to make this happen. My guest today is, of course, one of the jewelers, being that, you know, she's the editor, and she will be joined by members of the Publications Advisory Committee, whoever that is. I don't know, but they sound like they know what they're doing. The winner will be notified mid-April 2020 and announced during SNAG's upcoming annual conference, which is in May in Philadelphia. And, you know, one more note on this. A few years ago, I was approached to write an article about perceived value for Metalsmith, and I did it, and it really felt like a daunting task at the time. But, you know, the then editor, Emily Zilber, she had my back the entire way and worked with me to ensure that I didn't sound like a ding-dong. <laughs> this isn't about you submitting a perfect proposal. It's about potential, and you just have to be willing to put yourself out there and, oh yeah, put in the work to make it happen. So don't be intimidated. Go for it. I mean, after you listen to this very interview, you will already have insight as to who one of your jurors are and who you could potentially get to work with at Metalsmith Magazine. So 
please welcome today's guest, Adrian Dalton. wrinkly. I ironed everything yesterday and then hung it up and I was like, I'll just put this on in the morning. But this is a new shirt and I haven't worn it yet. So you didn't know. I didn't know it was going to be so wrinkly. And also, okay, so things I do when I go to conferences, packing for conferences is like, is impossible. It's really hard because so hard. I always get off a plane and by the, it's magical. I can feel great. I could have gone to the gym before I got on a plane. I get off and I feel like a beached whale. Yep. Like I'm like super bloated. Yep. And then for the rest of the weekend, I just feel uncomfortable in anything I'm wearing. Yes. No matter what. I didn't what. even get on a plane and I feel that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, there's a secret to dressing because you want to look your best, mm-hmm. but you're going to feel bloated. You're not eating that well. Um, nope. Um, you're probably drinking more than you should mm-hmm. um, and you're pitting out nonstop. Mm-hmm. So it's the secret of like getting that perfect outfit that can hide the pit stains. This is not the shirt I learned, but luckily I've got this jacket. Yeah, and you're hiding the pit I, stains if, with I the jacket. I can wear these pants all day probably, maybe, mm. but um, they're a little maybe. tighter than they were last time I wore them. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I put them on this morning. I was like, ooh, is this going to work? Is this happening? Can I do this? (laughs) And the last thing you want to, and then you also have to think about like the outfit that's going to look good while you're standing and sitting because it's a lot of sitting. Well, you know what? That, I really effed up because this is not (laughs) that outfit. outfit. (laughs) And like, I basically, I put it on and then I got on SEPTA and it was all downhill from there. I have, I have something on my jacket that I had to wash off in the bathroom when I got here. No idea what it is. I must have picked it up on SEPTA. <laughs> That's amazing. And yep. then also, you know, like the other key to this is, um, well, as a jewelers, yeah. guys, before we started recording, Adrian's like, I am not wearing nearly enough jewelry. Like, we just got to. But that is the fun part, because I feel like, what is that? Like, Chanel said what's her face was like look in the mirror and take off one accessory before you leave the house yeah or something but i like do that. the opposite of that well especially Usually. at conferences i'm yeah. like no no look in the mirror and put on five more brooches yeah like you can exactly. wear everything at once yeah i didn't like I, I was saying i don't know if you were recording when i said this but i i didn't bring enough brooches <laughs> yeah. i brought some necklaces i'm not wearing a ne- i'm not even wearing a necklace right now <laughs> you're screwing up <sighs> what's wrong with you i'm wearing one brooch i'm mm-hmm. only wearing one ring i am wearing earrings okay yeah, well, you got I was some earrings until on. I put these headphones on. I know. God, bane of my existence is that I can't have beautiful, big old earrings on while I'm recording. Can you? Um, I have studs in today. Yeah. Can you like make yourself a pair of headphones that look like they have <laughs> earrings on the bottom? Oh my of them? god! <laughs> this is a thing that like once I get to like year three or four or five, then we're gonna be like, okay, how am I gonna make this better? Also, my hair's down. And, you know, my nest is my security blanket, so I always yeah. feel weird when my hair is down. Um, all these things, guys. All these things. Um, look at you. She's, she's just I'm turned away from the mic to burp. I love yeah. her. Um, also, <laughs> shoes. You got to have, like, the, the perfect conference shoes that yeah. are super cute and chic, but you get one blister on that first day, and it's all downhill from there. Here's the trick to that. And oh, I, ta- yeah? I told Gwen this when we were, I guess when we were at Snag. Mm-hmm. Uh you have to bring different pairs of shoes that rub your foot in different places and you got to switch shoes every day. So that way you don't just get like a blister in one spot and then it ruins your whole week because you have two pairs of shoes. You have almost a blister all over your foot (laughs) and then, you know, it kind of, it disperses, you know? So like if you like one day you're like these shoes I'm wearing today, they're like rubbing my foot, but I wear them all the time. Like, yeah, there's probably enough. You have really cute shoes. I remember when I stayed with you in Richmond, just, 
Oh, thank you. All your shoes are like piled up by the door. And I was like, damn, all the shoes are cute. That wasn't even all of them. <laughs> You're like, that wasn't even half of them. I brought a lot of shoes with me. I've only worn like three or four of the pairs so far, though. It's important. It is. It is. Also, your feet swell because you're on your feet all day. Tara Locklear, she's a big fan of getting back to the hotel room and then putting your feet up onto the wall, like laying down. Yeah, it's a good, mm-hmm. it's I, a good idea. I it's taught really Melanie Belinker that one when we were in Germany. We're sharing a hotel room. And so we're just like laying in our bed together with our feet up against the wall. And mm-hmm. I was like, see, this is nice. And she's like, it is nice. Yeah. When I, um, I lived in an apartment when I lived in Utah that had um, polished cement floors Oh, and it was it was extremely cold in the winter. It was not. <laughs> yeah. It was like I was. It was like a mother-in-law suite in like a giant house that was like super modern. Yeah, but it was just. It was very like out of place. It was not like any other places in the town in Utah that I lived. But um, it when I would come home from like working at the museum I worked at. Yeah. Um, my feet would be really like sore and swollen because I've been running around doing install all day and yeah. then I would take my shoes off and just put my bare feet on the freezing cold cement floor and it was just like oh <sighs> that's nice I was wondering yeah. where this was going I was like what's the benefit of a floor like that that that's the only thing that's the benefit the other right benefit there. is that you know if something slips out of your hand and it's breakable you can just kiss it goodbye <laughs> Because you, you don't even have to have that shred of hope. It's just gone. Yep, you just know if it leaves your hand. Bye, girl. Yeah, you just practice detachment. <laughs> oh, my God. You are such a breath of fresh air. Um, Adrian <laughs> Dalton. Oh, hi, girl. It's so hi. nice to see you. It's good to see you, too. Um, hey, guys. I'm here at the American Craft Council conference in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, we're at the Lowe's Hotel downtown and what that they're calling is the sky high facility for creative work so there are three pods quote unquote pods um i'm in a pod and this is i mean schiffer publishing house is in one of the pods i don't know what the other pods are doing i mean this is my pod and this is the only pod i care about (laughs) um so so it's the first day of the conference and adrian you're my second interview of the day so thank you very much and i'm sitting here with adrian dalton who is the editor of metalsmith magazine which how long you been editor now um get a little closer to your mic Oh, since February. <laughs> um, well, I so I've been the official editor since yeah. July, starting in July. But prior okay. to that, I was the interim editor um, right. starting in February until July. And then I've stayed on. Cool. So, yeah, the editor of Metalsmith Magazine. Um, the thing about the American Craft Council is, you know, we all, I've seen, I've gotten to know Adrian through, gosh, how long have I, you know what, you're the first person that wrote about perceived value. Oh, yes, I did. I interviewed you for our jewelry forum. forum. Yeah, that's Um, right. Yeah. A while ago. You're very dear to my heart. I was (laughs) like, oh, my God, this is so cool. Um, So I've gotten to know you through better through the snack conferences. Mm -hmm. um, But this is my first ACC conference. Is this your first one? This is my first ACC conference. And it's kind of interesting because it's all the crafts combined. Mm -hmm. So it's like all these people that you maybe met because all these people don't come to the snag conference right. um so it's really going to be an interesting experience to see a lot of people that i know through like penland and Amer- aromont and haystack mm-hmm. um in one place i yeah. don't know i'm curious to see you know it's the first morning and so i i got here this morning and i you know 
did my registration. And then I like scurried off to University of the Arts to see the makerspace yeah. they have there. Um, I'm a UArts alum, so mm-hmm. I really wanted to see the um, all the updates that they've made. And I didn't get to go, I didn't have time to go into um, the, I can't remember the name of the building, the other building where the jewelry studio is. I didn't oh, have time yeah. to do that this morning, but I wanted to see the, the space. And, and Rob McCormick, who... Um, is a professor there and was one of my professors when I was there yeah. was um, giving a tour of the digital lab and then they were working on a project but I, I couldn't stay to work on the project because I was coming to do that and we're back okay um, so you didn't get to see everything so I didn't get of, to see everything it's like an ongoing but theme I of also conference. haven't seen anyone else because I like there's like walking tours going on and there's bus tours going on for ACC and I'm not I'm doing those things tomorrow so like yeah. I haven't run in I haven't like really seen anyone yet yeah except for you hi <laughs> well you know I was I was running late because oh god I put in guys I live in Philadelphia and I was late um I put in Lowe's hotel and it was taking me like 10 minutes that way to some random restaurant and I was like what is going on here and I was so angry at my Lyft driver I'm sorry dude whoever you are Um, but I was like no you need to take a right right here I was like I'm just going to direct you to the hotel because I am late and I can't be late so I run in and I didn't know where to go and immediately I see Gwen Mm -hmm. um, executive director of Snag and uh Jean McLaughlin, who was director at Penland when I lived there, and I haven't seen her in a couple years, and I was just like, you don't even have time to be polite and be like, hi, it's so nice to see you. I was just like, gotta go, tell me where to register. (laughs) But it's like that, it's not a conference like that where everywhere you turn, you're gonna see like an amazing person that you want to say hi to and whatnot, and I will have that opportunity in the coming days, but for I was like all business this morning. Yeah. I mean, I haven't even registered. I didn't have time. I'll do that after this. It's fine. It's whatever. Um, yeah. So this is the beginning because it's Thursday morning. It's Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Mm-hmm. There's nothing on Sunday, right? I won't be here Sunday. Yes. It's over Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. I fly out to Penland Sunday morning. So oh my goodness. I know. You're very busy. <laughs> um, but oh, what I wanted to say is, Adrian, thank you for coming on the podcast. I had somebody... Um, they had a death in the family, so they canceled last minute. And I was, I called you guys. I called Adrian. I was like, no, I texted you. I was like, I have a favor to ask. <laughs> and you know, but I've wanted you on the podcast anyways. It was going to happen because you're the editor of Metalsmith. But um, then I was like, well, we're gonna pull that string right now and see if she'll say yes. Yeah. So thanks for like missing half the tour to come here. Oh, it's okay. Yeah, it's okay. Yeah, no, okay. it's fine. <laughs> I. I I wanted to see the studio more than I wanted to like actually make a project. So yeah. it's fine. Okay, great. Because then if I did make a project, I, you know, when I was at UArts as an undergrad uh, from like 2000 to 2004, we didn't have a 3D printer yet. We didn't ah. have any digital things um, because they were, you know, astronomically expensive at that time and they're yeah. much more accessible financially now. And so, you know, I don't know how to use Rhino 3D. <laughs> I don't know how to do any of those things. Do so you ever get that I thing? got to sneak away before anybody found out. That you did? <laughs> that you're archaic? You're like, yes. Hmm. Sorry, I'm a Luddite. Yeah. Well, <laughs> do you ever get that feeling? I mean, as going back to your alumni, are you like, damn, I didn't get this? Like, is there any of that kind of feeling? Um, you know, I don't feel that way about it, honestly. Um, I think that's healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because, like, everything changes. I mean, the the core fellows at Penland are getting a brand new house built, and the house that I lived in was, like, literally falling apart. <laughs> so, um, yeah. not going to be bitter. Not going to be bitter. I'm going to be happy for them. Mm-hmm. Um, wow, the sirens are... Well, you guys were set up in the conference... 
Uh, and I can definitely hear the sirens going off loud. in Philly. Wow, Philly, calm down. Um, so, Adrian. Yes. I want to give some insight to who you are. I mean, you're the editor of Metalsmith Magazine, but how does one find themselves being the editor of Metalsmith Magazine? Um, is your background in journalism? Uh, no. Um, <laughs> As we just talked about, yes. your alumni. Um, well, okay, so do you want me to start Undergrad. at the present and work backwards, or do you want to start at the start and work forwards? <laughs> Um, well, wait, where did you go to undergrad? So I went to University of the Arts here right. in Philadelphia. Um, I was a, a crafts major there with a focus in metals and jewelry. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I went to UArts not knowing what I was going to major in or what I was going to do. I honestly thought I was going to be a photo major. Oh. Um, I was interested in photography in high school and... Um, I, you know, I, I didn't know what else to do, so I went to art school because I always yeah. have been creative and a maker, and they're, you know, my parents were both cre- are both creative people in different ways, and um, so I actually, uh, maybe I shouldn't even admit this. Um, <laughs> in, in, oh, in I love when people say like this, <laughs> but I honestly, um, I hadn't taken a jewelry or metals class before I became a jewelry and metals major. Oh, wow. Um, it, so, you know, during your foundation year, you take 2D and 3D, and then, mm-hmm. you you know, drawing all of that, and you take electives. And I took a stained glass elective, mm-hmm. um, which I loved. Actually, my mother was a stained glass artist growing up, so I actually already knew how to do everything. <laughs> and maybe I was like, it was Easy like a cop-out, but I'm not good at it, which is what's really funny about it. Judith Schechter, um, I, who I think is still teaching at UArts, and maybe we'll see her this weekend, but she was um, the person who taught that class. And really, um, for anyone who knows Judith, she's just like a real, um, she's just like hilarious. Yeah. And so, you know, I think the thing I most got out of that class was I got to know Judith. Oh, okay, <laughs> um, there you go. And I really wanted to do glass blowing, but at the time you couldn't major in glass. Like I, I wanted to like take hot yeah. glass classes, which I did end up doing, but... Um, I just kind of flipped a coin. This is the thing that I should I shouldn't admit. Yeah. Said I shouldn't admit. Enunciate. <laughs> um, is that I I thought maybe I would be a photo major and yeah. I couldn't really decide between being a crafts major and being a photo major because I knew in crafts I would get to um, you know use different materials mm-hmm. and I really like making things with my hands and yeah. I always have. But I was like, well, if I'm a photographer, then maybe I'll actually be able to get a job and make some money <laughs> um but I just couldn't decide and it was the day before registration and I was like I'm just gonna flip a coin yeah we're and just so gonna I go did for it. and then I became a crafts major that is so funny um yeah yeah well you know I think it's working out for you it's yeah I, I mean it's going well the photo major would have been before digital hit right yeah it was it oh, would have been see. just all dark room yeah yeah and then you would have been screwed once it's like the ex- economic collapse kind of <laughs> you know like yeah how I'm many people put all their chips in that basket and then we're like I don't want to learn a digital camera you right know? yeah I I think um I think it, I think the coin made the right choice yeah yeah thanks coin yeah <laughs> um so you go to undergrad did you pay for undergrad I did. I'm still paying for it. Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I don't know what tuition was at UArts at the time. I think it, it was, a, it was what was then a lot of money, and I mean, probably still is a lot of money. But I think it was like 18 a year. 
thousand. I think it might that have been less like than that. Sounds like a lot to me. It was, um, but I had scholarships and okay. I had loans. Yeah, and um, I feel like at this point in time, I have I still owe like about ten thousand dollars. Okay, that's not well, bad compared to when everybody. I talk about grad school. Well, oh, I get it. We're doing. <laughs> Yeah, sorry. I was like, that's really good compared to most people. Okay, well, yeah, okay. (laughs) So you graduate. Yeah. So yeah. So I so I went to UArts. I do still have debt from then, but I you know the time I I started in two thousand. I graduated in two thousand four, and that was kind of like right before the student loan situation started to get to be the way that it is now with the yeah. um, interest rates and things like that. So I actually, part of the reason that I'm still paying my, like sort of slowly paying off my undergrad loans is because my interest rate is really low oh, on it. Okay. It's like, oh, like two point something or three something. Cause it's like a fix. I have like a fixed interest rate on it. Cause I like consolidated them at some point. Oh, I don't know. It was a long time ago that I did that. Cause like I said, <laughs> that was in 2004 and it's 2019. So yeah. Yeah. And so you graduate and you, what's your official degree title? Um, I have a bachelor's of fine arts. Bachelor's of fine arts. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say anything about metalsmithing. It's just like a focus. Um, you know, know I works. haven't, I don't, I haven't looked at my diploma. Oh, gotcha. Probably since the day they handed it to me. So, um, <laughs> Uh, so I don't know what it says on there, okay, but I'm great. sure, I think it probably does say like with like a certificate of craft or something. Um, I like to think if I had a diploma that I would have like framed it and put it in my bathroom or somewhere just like really hilarious. I actually have friends who, all, everyone who lived in the house together all framed their diplomas and hung them in the one bathroom all together. Right? Yeah. I think hanging things in your bathroom are so funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, like I, I got arrested in Germany once and I have <laughs> the paperwork for that and that I'm going to frame and hang in my bathroom. That's nice. That's been my plan. I just haven't gotten around to it. Mm-hmm. I've had other things to do. Um, um, yeah, it seems like. Yeah. So, okay. So you graduate. Where did, what did you do after you graduated? Oh boy. So, um... While I was in, so I worked while I was an undergrad. The oh, yeah. only time I didn't work was my freshman year. I I worked all through high school. I was a lifeguard. Oh um, yeah, could, girl. That's like I could tell a whole list of stories about all the weird jobs I've had in my life and the weird things that <laughs> happened to me at them. But um, we'll save that for some other time. Um, so I worked a lot in high school and I saved a lot of money. So. Yeah. I had like I had saved up like several thousand dollars working in high school because I worked a lot and um, I was able to use that money so that I didn't have to have a part-time job when in my first year of undergrad. Oh good for you. Um, And then but then I had to get a job. Yeah of Um, course. So I worked um, at a clothing store on South Street that's no longer there. It was called Guacamole and there was a makeup (laughs) store next door called Trixie (laughs) Trixie L'Amour. We sold like wigs and like underwear and stuff and then there was also a raver store up the street these are all three owned by the same person called agent aloha oh yeah so yeah so i was i like managed those stores and i call that i refer to that job as like my empire records job oh yeah because it was just like a bunch of kids goofing off yeah (laughs) but when i graduated i was like oh i can't live off of like 775 an hour yeah so um I actually got a job at a temp agency, um, hmm. and my second temp assignment was 
in the health insurance and immunizations office for Drexel University. Okay. And the woman who is the director there and I just got along really well and she hired me part-time, mm-hmm. like made a part-time position and hired me for it. And then I got a full-time position as the coordinator of health insurance and immunizations at Drexel University. And I did that for eight years. What? That is so random. It, it really is. But the yeah. thing is, is that it was a job that offered me a salary and health insurance. Yeah. And I was just out of undergrad and I needed those things. And it was a job that was not... It was the kind of job where I left at the end of the day and Didn't could, think about could it. go to my studio, could do other projects. And the woman who I worked for was really a really fantastic boss and, you know, understood that, you know, it's just a job. And so yeah. she was not like, uh, it was just not, it was not really a stressful job, I guess is what I'm trying to say. How did you feel about the fact that you found yourself doing something that was completely unrelated to what you had just spent so long studying? Um, I, I I mean, it was, I always knew it would be temporary. Yeah. Um, I just wasn't, I needed the time to figure out what exactly I was doing. You know, I was 21 when I graduated from college. You're a baby. Yeah. And I, I was, I, my birthday's early. So I was like, I had, I started college like, and then turned 18, like a little bit later. Um, so, you know, I just was kind of like figuring stuff out and, you know, like doing the stuff that you do when you're in your early twenties, like, do I want to make production lines? Like, mm-hmm. where am I going to put my studio? Like, yeah. it was, the answer is in, in a basement of a house <laughs> I lived in. Uh, um, spoiler alert. It's in a basement with no alert. windows. It was in a basement. It, there were windows. My oh, ventilation good. system was a, like a blower that you can buy at like Harbor Freight for really cheap, hooked mm-hmm. up to like you know, like the the silver, like accordion stuff that you yeah, use for dryers. Yeah. At least you had ventilation. I know so many people put a studio in their bathroom or their living room or their house with no ventilation. It's a None. problem. Yeah. Y'all crazy. Yeah. Um, anyways, tangent. Woof. It's okay. So you worked at the job for eight years. Yeah. And then lived it up in Philly. I mean, I... Well, I did other things. Yeah. You seem <laughs> like you always have so much going on. What were you doing? I, well, so I, I had a studio space in my house almost always, even if I wasn't making jewelry necessarily, um, I was making something. I did a yeah. lot of illustration. So oh, I actually cool. did a lot of painting and drawing and had shows and sold paintings and drawings um, because that was what I could make in the space that I had and the time that I had. Um But I got involved with a group of folks who, there was this initiative, it must have been in like 2009, I don't remember when it was, but basically like groups of artists could apply for um, vacant storefronts on South Street. Oh, and okay. to use as gallery spaces. I think Tyler had a space there. They did their one of their senior shows there. We've mentioned South Street a few times, guys. So in Philadelphia, South Street, how would you describe it? Because I always said that it, it reminds me of like Melrose in L.A. where it's mm-hmm. all these like weird shops and people kind of just hang out on it and teenagers. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's a, it's a commercial district, but it had it's been through like a couple different like up and downs. I don't yeah. know what the state of it is now, but at the, at the point in time in which we were a group of artists using a space as a gallery space. It was sort of in sort of like an economic downturn. It must have been around one of the 
um, financial crises. Yeah. Um, and I don't remember which one, though. <laughs> um, and so there were, you know, a lot of there had been a lot of small independently owned businesses in that area. And a lot of them just couldn't afford to keep renting those spaces because the rents had gone up. There was a McDonald's on South Street oh. that closed. That's how bad it was. Wow. That's yeah. Like McDonald's are like McDonald's, cockroaches. Yeah. If you can't keep a McDonald's <laughs> open on a really busy street with tons of foot traffic, like, oh, what is going on there? Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. It's on the up and up now. But you know what? I still like, I still respect South Street. I work right off of it for the company that I work for. Um, still trash, little trashy, which yeah, I love. I love I love that about yeah, it. So yeah. You still got the pink pussycat right there mm-hmm. with next to that like hipster store trying to sell us clothing for people that should live in the mountains, you know? Yeah. Things like that. I don't know what that store is, but I believe, I, I know what kind of store it is. Yeah, you I've know what I'm talking about. Like really yeah. chic looking. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so, so I was involved in, in this gallery space. We were called the St. March Gallery and we were a collective and we... Um, you know, like curated exhibitions and we had events, we had shows. We basically cool. just did as much as we could until someone said, you can't, you really can't do that. And we would say, <laughs> oops, sorry. Like, really? you really oh, can't okay. have music shows here. You know, like, like, oh, didn't know, sorry. Yeah, okay, won't happen again. You know, we built yeah. walls, like we, you know, we kind of just went wild and it, it was a really good, um, it was an opportunity that I didn't know that I wanted or needed it was something I just sort of like I ran into a friend who I knew because they also worked in a shop on South Street and they're like oh I'm going to this meeting it's in the basement of the last drop coffee shop which Philadelphians will know Mm -hmm. and um, it's for like some gallery space people are trying to put together on South Street somewhere you should come and I I almost didn't go to the Uh, meeting because it was like it was like cold and like windy and rainy it was like a week night and I was (laughs) tired because I didn't work all day but I went and I got involved and I was like oh like this this is really interesting. Like, this is fun. Um, And that was then how I, from that gallery space opportunity, some folks who were also involved in that space had just started a collective studio in South Philly that's no longer around, but it was called Chacharazzi. Oh, I like the name. Yep. Um, And it was, um, it had been a cabinet making studio at one point, like two stories. And they had just started renting the building and had started working on building studio spaces yeah. in it. And so I got a studio space in there. And then I had a studio space in there until I moved out of Philly, which was like several years later. Wow. I do like, I mean, I kind of relate to you right now that I have that job that I can leave my job at my job. It's still related to jewelry, though. So I guess that's a little different in that. But yeah, I still... Someone just like I think that was a sneeze, but it sounded like a scream. Is a I hope they're okay. Sneeze, sneeze. I don't know. Um, but I I like that you you had your health insurance and stuff, and that gave you space to figure out these other things to do. I like yeah. That. It it like honestly, and that was why you know it seems it seems kind of odd. You know when I tell people, oh, you know I worked in student health and insurance mm-hmm. for eight years and people are like what <laughs> yeah. uh, but it really like it I always had enough money to pay my bills yeah and I didn't have to worry about being sick and needing to go to the doctor you yeah. know it really like it gave me the security and like stability that I needed in order to like do stuff that I wanted to do and without that a lot having of artists to don't have. without uh, without and also do the things that I was interested in doing without them having to be monetized in mm. order for them to be sustainable yeah. Yeah. And that, that freedom is incredible. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's something not to be taken lightly. Absolutely. So when you only worked there for eight years, so why did you decide to transition out? You left Philly. Did you leave, leave that job the same time you left Philly? I did. I um, So when I left that job, it was to go to grad school. Oh. Yeah. And that's when I, and that's when I moved out of Philly. So... Um, How long did you think about going to grad school before you did well, it? Well, a long time. I When I initially finished undergrad... So while I was at UArts, I, re- I got really into enamel, mm-hmm. and okay. um, and I still you know I still have a kiln and I still do enamel and I teach enameling sometimes. But um, I very short period of time after grad school started looking, or excuse me, after undergrad started looking at grad school, and I was thinking about going to New Paltz, mm, um, yeah. and you know just like looking at my options. And then I was like, but what am I gonna do? Like, what am I going to do after grad school? Like, what's my goal? And I couldn't answer that question. Yeah, why are you going to grad school? Right. Good for you for a- asking that, because I don't think enough people do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. And I mean, I knew I knew that I didn't really want to be, like, making production work. Yeah. And I also knew that I did not have the kind of financial situation in which I could be making conceptual work only like mm-hmm. I would knew I knew that when grad school was over I would need a way to support myself yeah um as most people do but some, <laughs> yeah. some people have you know different support, to do other things. support yeah. systems um and so I kind of like held off for a while and I you know I was enjoying the other things that I was doing here like you know hanging out with my friends and doing the art stuff collective. and doing gallery stuff yeah um and the St. March Gallery that I was just talking about, doing that and then being involved in the collective studio space that I was involved in, like we had we had shows, mm-hmm. we like we did a lot of things in the space. Yeah. Um, that was when I was like, oh, like if I'm gonna go to grad school, like I'm always going to have to have another way to make money. Yeah. That isn't making art, I think, because mm-hmm. I just felt like the, knowing myself the way that I like to work. Yeah. Um, I don't, I never felt like it was something like anytime I've tried to like make production work, which I've done and sold things, but I just don't enjoy doing it. And if I don't enjoy making, then I'm not going to do it. Yeah. I feel you. Yeah. So, um, so I knew I needed to just have another career path that would, um, allow me to still be creative and use my creative skills, but without, um, relying on the objects you make to make yeah, the money yeah i oh god i'm right there with you yeah so yeah. i decided to i actually i was when i was applying to grad school i was still a little bit torn about um what exactly i was going to do so i actually mm-hmm. only applied to two grad programs oh, which ones i applied to um the i forget what it's called it was a like a joint program between pacific northwest college of art and oregon college of art and craft oh okay namita will know what it is it's, is it I the one that closed yes r.i.p um and yeah. it was a i forget what it was but it was basically like an it was applied craft and design mm, okay. um some something along those lines and Oh. Again with the again, sirens. Again, it's a busy day here in yeah. Center City, Philadelphia. Um, <laughs> so I applied to that program, and then I also applied to the Parsons Cooper Hewitt History of Decorative Arts and Design uh, program, oh. and I was accepted to both, and I sort of 
on, I did not flip a coin this time, but I did, <laughs> um, I, I, I decided to go to Parsons in part really because, um, my grandmother was very sick at the time and I wanted yeah. to, in my family's in the Philadelphia area. So yeah. I wanted to be closer to home mm-hmm. at the end of her life, which Wait, I was. Yeah. So, um, so the, and also I had, um, a friend, one of my very close friends, was already living in New York, had moved up there a year before and had a space open in her apartment and it was really cheap and it was two <laughs> rooms and I could keep my, stu- I could have my studio in one room wow. and I could have my, literally only my bed yeah. in the other room. So I did that. It that, was not the safest amazing. studio setup, but I wasn't like doing a lot in there. I was mostly reading and writing. So yeah. Yeah. So what was your degree in your graduate degree? So um, my, my degree is an MA in history of decorative arts and design. Okay. But that program, it's actually, they've changed I the title. I feel like title. Bella Naiman has the yes, same. Yes, Bella, Bella's a, an alumni from the same program. Ugh, look mm-hmm. at you, powerhouse. Okay, <laughs> now I'm getting it. Mm-hmm. Um, Why don't I hear about this program more for some reason? I don't know. Because it seems like it really does great things for people. Yeah, and actually, I when I went to the makerspace of, um, at UArts, there was a woman who was sitting across from me, and she her face. I'm really good at faces and not great at names, mm-hmm. and her face was so familiar to me. And I said, "You look so familiar to me. Why do I know you?" Yeah. And we went through a couple things, and then she was a, she's a Parsons alumni, so she was oh. there. We must have had class together or something, but we didn't really know each other. We were in different years. Yeah. But. Yeah, and that's what it was. So I have to ask, because, I mean, it's in New York City. You found a cheap apartment, of course. Yes. But um, did you pay for grad school on your own? Oh, yes. Can I ask? Um, okay, sure. So, <laughs> uh, I mean, ballpark figure? <laughs> well, it has to be a ballpark figure because I can't. It's, it's like, a number that's it so high that it's like it feels abstract to me. It's like, oh, it's over $100,000. Oh, my God. Yeah. That's crazy not a lot over but it's around there yeah yeah it's three numbers I try not to know exactly how much I wouldn't want to either but you know I I mean it's what it is what it it is is what it is it's the boogeyman under the bed you know I have a um part of the thing that I think stalled me on pursuing grad school for such a long time was the cost yeah because I knew it would be really expensive and I was like well I don't I don't know how I'm ever going to pay that back. Yeah. And I had a friend who used to live here and moved to Australia and he like had a good job and he was just like, you know, sort of making a huge life change, sort of not, not on a whim, but like just a very significant life change. And I said, I said to him, why are, I was like, why are you like moving to Australia? And he said, you know that we die, right? Yeah. And I was like, okay, yeah, I guess you're right. Yeah. And so I was, so I used to say that going, uh-oh, I used to say that going to grad school was like my version of YOLO. Yeah. yeah. What the I don't know what's going, going on. on. Oh, I think our girl Beth is getting them to turn off whatever that they're doing. Thanks, Beth. Or I'll give them the look of death. I don't think they can see you through this pod. <sighs> That's fun. Um, you know what? I relate to that in the sense that a few years ago I had both my parents pass and my grandfather and my best friend it was it was a great like four years let me tell you but because of that I have really I really like your friend is like you know we die right like I think about that all the time 
I could, and you know, a few summers ago, I was like, yeah, I'm going to live in a tiny cabin in Maine on an island for three months and put all my stuff in. A lot of stuff I do, I probably shouldn't do. I don't, I can't afford it. There's a lot of risks I take that I have no right to be taking because I don't have a huge, like, crap. You know, I, I just do it. Yeah. Don't, you, you don't need to wait for permission to do the things that, yeah, you should just do things. You have to do something. You can't just like. And what's the worst that's going to happen? I mean, it's like, it's also too. The worst thing that's going to happen to you is that you'll die. We all, we know we all die. Yeah. And you might have debt, but like, who cares? Everybody has debt. Just. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm working on it. You know, (laughs) you're working it, girl. Yeah. Um, Um, So when you graduated, what was your first like experience outside after grad school? Like, did you get a job? Well, I did get a job. So while I was in grad school, um, I had a fellowship, Mm -hmm. which made it a little cheaper, but not much, as you can tell (laughs) by the number, the number I just gave you. Um, But I had a fellowship in the um, product design and decorative arts um, curatorial department at the Cooper Hewitt. Okay. Um, and I knew, I, I felt like I wanted to work in a museum. Yeah. Um, and then I also had an internship at Museum of Arts and Design, uh, MAD. Yeah, um, MAD. With um, Ursula Ilse Newman, who was still the jewelry curator at that time. Okay. Um, and um, so, so I interned for her um those are some nice connections yeah it was it it was really great and you know ursula is just you know great a wealth of knowledge oh yeah and and so while while i was her intern we were working on the multiple exposures jewelry and photography exhibit Mm, that was at mad and um i actually so this is an aside, but it comes back around. So mm-hmm. while, I, while I was in Philadelphia, um, you know, there, there's jewelry galleries here. I would every year at Sofa... There's Emily Zilber. Hi. Sorry. Every year <laughs> at... looking at people. Every Hi. year at Sofa New York, I would... Um, I would. T- it was like Sofa New York used to happen in the spring. And so it was yeah. right around when I would get my tax return. So I would always go to Sofa New York and I would like always try and buy myself a piece of jewelry. Oh, hell yeah. And so when I actually, when I went to interview for the internship position um, at MAD, I was wearing a pair of tin type earrings that are Suzanne Beautyman. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, um, and Ursula was like, oh, she are those Suzanne Beautyman earrings? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, oh, she's going to be in the show. And I was like, I think I think I, got I might this. get this. Yes! <laughs> I might have gotten that this. That is amazing. This, uh, yeah. <laughs> Jewelry can take you places. Jewelry can take you places. It can spark conversations. It's a great, it's a great conversation. Story. Oh, my gosh. Yes. I mean, like said... Um, <laughs> set a rest in Germany I was wearing a lot of jewelry and it was the only thing that made the German police officers nicer to me like they noticed all the jewelry I was wearing and they're like what's your jewelry and I was like well I'm here for Munich Jewelry Week and they're like what and I was like jewelry and then we had this like thing like show and tell with them and they completely softened up and started talking to me more and from there on it like got I mean, they never gave, made me pay my fee I was supposed to pay. So that's a great that's a great tip. Yeah, wear for a lot all of you troublemakers <laughs> out there. <laughs> wear some brooches. You <laughs> might get out of a fee. <gasps> oh my God. Okay, new subject. Um, so you oh, <laughs> after grad school, <laughs> yeah. we, we, we were getting very off track. Um, so after grad school, I wasn't really sure what I was going to do, and. Um, I had applied for a couple um, Wingate-funded internship positions. That, yeah, like so the Wingate like, Fellowship or um, things like that? Not, not the fellowship, but so Wingate gives funds to museums, specifically oh, gotcha. for them to use for... 
interns and things like yeah, that? Yeah, for museum-based internships. And I had apl- I applied for a few, and one of the ones that I applied to was at the Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art at Utah State University mm-hmm. in Logan, Utah. How the hell and, did you even know that existed? Um, well, I knew about Wingate. Um, oh, so they have a list of the museums? Yeah, okay. yeah. So, like, there was a call, you know, yeah. for applications. And um, so I applied, and the part of the reason I applied to... The, um, the museum in Utah was because they were having a show um, it was the um, Black Mountain College shaping craft and design oh, okay. exhibition which um, the woman who is the director of that museum Katie Lee Coven was previously at Center for Craft Creativity and Design she ah, curated that in show Asheville, and North was, Carolina yes, guys and in, it was traveling and when I was in grad school I wasn't just studying jewelry mm-hmm. um, I was just sort of studying craft and design sort of more generally yeah amongst other things yeah um but so you know i had sort of the the knowledge base to help with that yeah exhibition and what i was doing there was installing installing the exhibition um but also like doing cataloging doing a bunch of other things but also curating along with a um a graduate student who was an intern um, Nick Danielson, he's a, um, a potter who's based in Montana. Um, yep. Um, I was like, I know that name. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he and I, um, Nima, which is Nora Eccles Harrison Museum of Art. Okay. There um, we go. has a really, um, like a really significant ceramics collection. I mean, they have a really amazing collection for being a small academic museum and a like pretty geographically isolated, uh, part of the country mm-hmm. in a state that most people probably only go to national parks in. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But there, the founder of the museum was a potter, and she mm. was not necessarily a great potter, but she was a great collector of pottery yeah. and a great supporter of ceramics. And so they had a really amazing collection. And um, Nick and I sort of curated like a like a subsection of ceramics works from Nima's collection with connections to Black Mountain. Okay. Um, and so he and I were working on that. Yeah. And um, they were in need of a, an assistant curator. Yeah. And um, so then after my internship ended, yeah. I stayed on as assistant curator. So I went to Utah thinking I was going to be there for <laughs> three months. Um, I was sleeping on an air mattress on a floor. Um, and then I ended up living there for two years. And, you know, you're the example that is what you hope of when you hear about internships that it will lead to a job right like that's what I think that's why everybody is so competitive to get internships because it can lead it gets your foot in a door with an organization so it's exciting to hear that because that's what you hope for um I feel like a lot of interns sometimes don't get those positions yes yeah I mean I it, it was you know I was also in the right place at the right time one advantage you know that I had when I was leaving, when I was graduating from grad school was that I had already been like running, you know, a, a program at like, you know, in an office, like doing, you had that professional experience. Like I had a lot of professional experience. And so, you know, I had classmates who went straight from undergrad to grad school and had never really had Had a real job, had real jobs. And, you know, I'm a, pretty organized person and yeah. so that sort of worked to my advantage I think having a background doing 
sort of program coordinating yeah. at, at a university. So yeah, it speaks to your yeah yeah. So how does somebody? I mean, I like this. You're now you're assistant curator at a museum in Utah. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you get from that to being somebody that is an editor of a magazine? Because I feel like. Being a curator, you have to write a lot. You have to write yep. about the shows. You mm-hmm. have to write grants. You have to write descriptions, etc. All the time. So, do you feel like that kind of led you to where you're at now? These types of you positions. You know, um, I mean, it did. I mean, in an inadvertent way, it did. Um, yeah. Jokes on me. I got into art because I thought that meant I didn't have to do math or writing. Oh no. <laughs> it's a lot of math and writing, guys. It is. It is Even yep. the podcast. I'm like, oh, I, I don't want to write a book. I'm going to do a podcast. I'm like, damn it. Every week I have to write. Yep. Yep. <laughs> um, Getting better. So well, so while I was um, while I was working at the um, at the art museum in Utah, I started writing for AJF for Art Jewelry Forum. I guess ah. I shouldn't use um, abbreviations. Art Jewelry Forum. But we can say AJF after okay. this. Yeah. Um, and... And why did you start writing for them? Because I wanted to, I wanted to be thinking more and and about jewelry, oh, yeah. and be sort of connected back with jewelry. Because I, I mean, I really, um, I really liked my position at the museum, but yeah. I was doing other projects, and you know, um, my I always come back to jewelry because I love it. Yeah, same um, girl, same. So I was doing that while I was um, while I was at. Nima. Okay. And um, I was at Nima for two years. While I was there, I was also the exhibitions manager, basically. So, okay. like, I kind of had like a dual role because we were really sm- a small museum. Yeah. With a, a really significant collection, but a small staff. Yeah. Um, so everybody, all hands on deck. Yeah, basically, like we all wore a lot of different hats. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, where was I going with that? <laughs> I don't remember. She's oh, like, so so I started writing for AJF, and yeah. and because I wanted to, because um, I wanted to get back to jewelry. While I was there, I taught a history of craft class. Mm-hmm. Um, I also taught like a, just like a sort of very like intro to not intro to jewelry, but like these are all the jewelry tools that the sculpture department just bought that nobody knows how to use ah like yeah, this there is, goes. so I like for like the grad students I did like a like a weekend workshop where I just taught them how to like use a torch and and you know use a hammer and like do a rivet and like you know saw yeah. files so that they could use it for other things you yeah know, they the were make their visions come to life yeah yeah um and so when when you wrote the article so guys a few years ago God, it's a few years ago. Weird. It was coming up on my first anniversary of the podcast, mm-hmm. and I saw, um, oh my goodness, I'm blanking, and it's the first day of the conference. Come on, girl. Director uh, Rebecca Frank. Yeah. I saw mm-hmm. her in Munich at Munich Jewelry Week, and she's like, hey, she was director of our jewelry forum at the time, and I think she kind of reached out about maybe doing an article or something and then she connected me with you now was you weren't at the museum at that time right I think I was oh you were still there so yeah. that was during that time it's hard to say yeah because our jewelry <laughs> for I it was a side hustle at the yeah. time I probably would assume that if somebody's writing for our jewelry forum that must be their full-time job but now I know that that is not the case right. and it's usually people volunteering to mm-hmm. write articles for it um so how many years have you been writing for our jewelry forum then um, five, 
five years. Well, I don't write for them anymore. You don't write for them anymore. But that kind of grew your writing practice. It did, yeah. It got me, it sort of connected me back, you know, with sort of, well, with jewelry, but just with, like, my interest. And it gave me something to do that wasn't, like, uh, as intense as... You know, like planning an exhibition and, you know, writing labels and, you know, doing didactics and working on museum education things and and things like that. Yeah, because the way it worked for us is like you sent me those questions. I I mean, it was just me writing them out. I think you edited a few things Mm -hmm. to make sure that everything lined up. And then you wrote an introduction. Right. Which was awesome. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. Um, I don't remember what it said at all. It's very nice. You said very (laughs) nice things. Um, But we had never met in person. It was all through email, too, Mm -hmm. which I found was really interesting. Um, So I could see how you could do that on, like, your side hustle outside of being assistant curator and things like that. So you live in Richmond, Virginia right now. I do. So what made you transition out of that position So I had been at the museum for two years and my partner got accepted to a graduate program at VCU and Uh. my, you know, I'm from the East Coast, my family's from the East Coast. I really wanted to be closer to my family and Mm -hmm. we decided that, you know, I decided to also move to Richmond with him. Yeah. Um, And... You Even went though, for it. yeah, like I, you know, it was just like one of those things you just decide. Like I said, we all die. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna be the title of the episode. You know we, we all die. die. Right? <laughs> um, um, so you know, I I had been at that position for two years, and I was ready to kind of do something else to kind of like yeah. oops, sorry now I'm hitting I've been doing Talking such a good job her. and now she here talks I with go. her hands she hasn't hit the mic once yet just, Ooh, just girl. now um, but I think it was just it was kind of like a good it was good timing for me to sort of move on yeah. the museum was getting ready to have like a renovation and expansion they were going to be closed for two years oh wow so I knew I wasn't going I was going to be like uh, inventorying and like moving the collection and while those and those things are super important and yeah. necessary um, but I w- wouldn't be doing a ton of research or yeah. curating and those were things that I was interested in doing or yeah. teaching which is something else that I am interested in doing and that I love doing um, so we moved to Richmond I it was it took me a little while to find steady work yeah. um, I had a lot of, I did a lot of odd jobs. I did, you know, I kept writing for AJF. Mm-hmm. Um, I taught classes, which I still teach at the Visual Arts Center of Richmond. Okay. Um, I teach at a arts nonprofit for teens called Art 180 in oh, Richmond Oh, you're teaching also. teens. Yeah, girl. Yeah. And I teach teens, and I teach teens at the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts, too. <laughs> yeah. Great. Um, so, um, so you kind of piece together yeah, a full-time yeah. thing. And Richmond's like a very, a very affordable city. Yeah. So it, you know, and I had, you know, there's not a whole lot to do in Utah that, you know, there's a lot of nature, but, you know, I'm, I'm a city person. And um, after being in Brooklyn for two years, Mm -hmm. moving to Utah, I was like, there's not even anywhere to go spend money. This is great. I'll just save, (laughs) I'll just save all this money, which I then used to help, you know, give me time when we got to Richmond to sort of figure, you know figure things out to find a position and things like that so and those transitions can be hard I think about that a lot with artists where I mean with anybody in a relationship when one partner gets a opportunity somewhere and you make the decision to go with them to support them but you also have to find your own thing you have to make your own life there as well and I think that can be really difficult when your partner hits the ground running and you're kind of like okay what am I gonna do here yeah (laughs) yeah well like I said I've 
um, when I was talking about some of the jobs that I've had and how there have been a lot of them, I've had... <laughs> if, if I were to write out my, like, full job history yeah. in chronological order from, like, the first job I ever had as a teenager up to the present, it would look nuts. It would look so <laughs> crazy. Yeah. 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 So, including the time in Richmond. Um, and But but I did eventually, well, since we moved there, prior to becoming the editor of Metalsmith, I worked in the education department at the Virginia Museum of Fine Arts as the teen programs person oh, there. Yeah. So, so you, um, you found your footing. Yeah. Yeah. It just, you know. You move to a new town where you don't know everybody. It takes a little while to network and talk to people and, um, you know, get yeah. the lay of the land, so to speak. So you're here on behalf of SNAG, Society of North American Goldsmiths. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, ACC conference is a, I mean, I would assume for somebody with your position is like somewhere you definitely should be here. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's funny, you guys, I said hi. Emily Zilber, who walked by, she was the previous editor of Metalsmith Magazine. And it was it was interesting because the editor, Suzanne Ramjilak? Ramjilak. Ramjilak. Ugh, God, I can never... She was editor for a very long time. Like about 20 years, I think. Yeah, that's Maybe crazy. Maybe a little longer. Um, and then Emily took the new position mm-hmm. and kind of brought in all this new energy to the magazine. I think Metalsmith needed it um, and switched things up. It's always good to keep things fresh. And then, you know, life happens where Emily found an opportunity she wasn't expecting and kind of just had to take advantage of it and that meant leaving her position at Metalsmith magazine kind of abruptly and quickly um and so you know opportunity presented itself had you already been writing for Metalsmith magazine like how did this connection come to be so um Gwen and I had connected yeah previously um and Actually, I had applied for Kristen uh, Mitsushiga's position. Oh, okay. Um, And Gwen and I had talked. And Gwen, you know, we know a lot of the same people. She Mm -hmm. was familiar with the writing that I'd done for AJF. And um, we, you know, she and I just had some really good conversations about ideas and things like that. And um, she contacted me and said, you know, I know, you, you know, this is kind of an odd question and it's kind of out of the blue but would you consider um you know sort of stepping in on an interim basis um as editor yeah as editor and I was like oh well can I think about it (laughs) (laughs) I mean I mean because I've never been an editor before I would think right and I mean and I have edited a lot of things um my writing and other people's writing (laughs) but um you know I it's, it's interesting because, you know, back, you know, talking about grad school, talking about undergrad, talking about sort of career trajectories, this isn't necessarily where I thought I was going to end be. up. I wasn't like, all right, I'm going to do this, then I'm going to do this, and then I'm going to be the editor of a 40-year-old uh, jewelry <laughs> publication. Um, no, it yeah. just, you know, sometimes opportunities present present themselves and you have to decide whether you're going to take them or not I didn't flip a coin for that decision I was gonna Um, I was gonna ask thank you (laughs) um but I did have to think about it because I you know I was at the VMFA um you'd you'd made your little world at Richmond yeah and actually when I when I did accept um the interim position I still was working at the VMFA yeah because I couldn't yeah and I and I run I was running teen programs there I was running a I run I was running a it's called teen style and it's like a wearable art 
class and okay. it, it's like a fashion based class and there's a huge runway show at the end and um, yeah. I was in the middle of that and I couldn't I couldn't just stop doing that yeah um, I'm the kind of person if I say I'm going to do something I will do it I'm the same way um, even if it like kills me exactly yeah um, <laughs> maybe that's a virtue. I'm not sure. I don't know. Um, <laughs> Ask me after October 21st. Right. I'm dying right now. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was you know it was a really intense six months. But honestly, you know, Emma, when Emily left, she had things in order for me so that I was able to kind of pick things up. And it, you know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to start from scratch. She had things planned out. Like I was really just you know keeping the lights on so to speak yeah you know just in the sense that things were already scheduled things were in place I just had to kind of you know yeah keep things moving along you know because there are deadlines yeah (laughs) yeah um and and then um and I and then they offered to stay on and so I have stayed on that's interesting good for you thank you I don't even know what an editor truly does I mean you know you edit but there there is so much more to that job There is. Um, So, you know, there's reading, of course. It's a lot of reading because you're reading texts that people send you and you're, you know, making sure. Oh, pitches, like people want to write. Or, you know, if someone sends an essay that they've been assigned in, then, you know, you read over it to make sure that it makes sense, that it's, you know, on topic. You, you know, send them notes and you kind of go. It's a collaborative process, really, between the editor. I think it should be a collaborative process between the writer and the editor to kind of work to sort of craft a manuscript, you know, um, that... That's how I've gotten to know Emily better because she asked me to write an article and I was like, I'm not a writer. And she's like, I asked you. Don't worry. I got she helped me so much. Yes. And I think that's something that's really important to to talk about is that, you know, there's not um, there's not a lot of opportunities for people to write about jewelry. Yeah. There's metalsmith, Klimt, AJF, Mm -hmm. current obsession. Mm -hmm. Those are sort of the major ones. Am I missing someone? No. Right. In fact, I forgot about Klimt, so good job. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I think it can be intimidating, like like you're saying, for for people to to be like, well, you know, I'm not really a writer. Oh, crap. American Crap Magazine. (laughs) Uh, And Well, I was thinking just of like jewelry specifically. (laughs) or like but they do have articles on jewelry. We're at their conference. We should. Shame shame on us. Okay. Yeah. That one too, Um, guys. Yeah. And there are other, there's more publications. There's more that we're not thinking of. Yes. Um, but, you know, but if you're like a new or a young writer mm-hmm. who, with an interest in metals or jewelry or sculpture or design, how do you... Where do you get your foot yeah, in the door? Yeah, like you have to kind of put your... Yeah, so you have to put yourself out yeah, there. Yeah, you have to put yourself out there. And there's, you know, there's only a certain amount of venues for you to do that so that people know who you are. So that's why coming to conferences is important because yeah. you can, you know, going to SNAG or coming to ACC, you get to meet people mm-hmm. and make connections with people. And honestly, that is how... That's how the battle. Yeah, like if people don't know who you are... Then how are you ever going to If you're get not anything? putting yourself out there, then opportunities won't just like they don't just come out of nowhere they don't appear out of thin air yeah if you aren't talking to people and making connections and and doing things I was talking about that with students because somebody was like well they're they're asking me like well how do you get opportunities like how do you meet artists if you don't know them and I was like well I mean honestly I always push for artists to go to craft schools because that's a great place to meet people and connect and I 
say if you can afford it, go to a conference. It's, you know, you're, yeah, conferences are like technically the programming is never really that fun. Let's be real. Uh, but it's about the social aspect of it and being here and being in the same room with people that can give you a job maybe in five, 10 years down the road. Yeah. You never know. And the other thing too is that I don't think, um, you know, if you, if there's an artist whose work you really like, Send mm-hmm. them an email. Oh my god! Oh, send them an email and Should tell them this? what you love about their work. I'm gonna say this. Say it. So for this event with ACC, um, I really wanted to have non, non like just like artists, artists. Like you're the you're an editor. I just spoke with um, an educator, etc. But I really wanted a curator, and I was like the American Craft Council conference. I was like I'm going big, and so I emailed. Oh my gosh, this relates back to the Art Jewelry Forum article you wrote. You asked that there was like a list of artists or people that were like my dr- yeah. wish list. Yep. And Glenn Adamson was on that list, and so I just. I was like, I'm going to ask him. And I looked up his email and I submitted a contact form through his website. And I was like, hi, Glenn, I want to interview you for my podcast. Um, And he couldn't do it today, but he could do it tomorrow, but I can't do it tomorrow. Um, So unfortunately, he said yes, it wasn't a no. And we're going to do it eventually. That's awesome. It's huge. Yeah. But that's how I did right. it. I literally just sent a contact form through his website. Anybody in the anybody in the world can do that. It's true. Yeah, and it yeah. worked. Just reach out to people. And if you're listening to this podcast, mm-hmm. reach out to me. Yeah, reach out to Honestly, I feel like there is two there's Metalsmith magazine, but there's also Metalsmith Tech. Yes. And Metalsmith Tech is what my article was in. And yes. I'm following along and I'm seeing that you are reaching out to people that aren't that have never written anything before mm-hmm. and emerging in our field. And you don't have to be a somebody to write for Metalsmith article magazine. Like you just have to be somebody that's interested and intelligent and willing to put forth effort. Right. And you have to, you have to have something to say. You have to have some stuff. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's that too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's important. Yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, I am, I'm absolutely intentionally trying to l- look for people who have something to say yeah who maybe haven't had an opportunity to share their research or their thoughts or their, their work or yeah. you know all of these things um because there's so many of those stories and people who mm-hmm. haven't you know who we haven't heard from for various reasons yeah. as an editor do you look at that too the demographics that you're pulling from because i feel like sometimes you know do you try to go like people who are in college or maybe just graduated and then like mid-career and then late career I mean I think you have to kind of strike a balance yeah oh absolutely um, but I mean it's something it's something I'm aware of and yeah. as I'm planning future you know sort of planning out the like editorial calendar yeah um it's something that I'm looking at like we want to make sure that we are you know as a publication covering sort of you know sort of the cutting edge aspects of the field, whether mm-hmm. that's, you know, regardless of whether that's jewelry or sculpture or blacksmithing, et cetera. Um, but we also need to look at, you know, our history. Yeah. And there are a lot, there's a lot, you know, our history is not that long, mm-hmm. really. And yeah, so gr- it's, gr- it's not you know, there's a lot of opportunity for us to fill in gaps in places in yeah. research or um, acknowledging certain artists' contributions to the field, things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
What would you say? Oh, also, you only have one job now, right? Yeah, I only have one job now. How'd that feel? Oh, it's great. Oh, God, I can it's only imagine delight. like the struggle of, yeah. uh, well, not even struggle. It's just the juggling of it all, like having three, four jobs. Yeah, I relate. it's busy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, what would you say is the most enjoyable aspect of this new job as an editor? Well, aside from only having one job. <laughs> You're like, um, that pays my bills. This yes. is exciting. Um, honestly, I think one of the things that I really in haven't been enjoying sort of as I mean because it's really still very new yeah it's so um, new is that I mean I I get up every day and I get to read about think about look at art yeah that's and cool. you know whether it's jewelry or you know silversmithing you know there's the, the huge breadth of things that conceptual we, that we cover yeah um you know, I'm. I always get to sort of discover new things. I get to talk to people about mm-hmm. ideas, um, and it's exciting. Like it's n- it's nice. Yeah. It's nice to you know come you know going back to that job I had for eight years that I, you know I left work at five o'clock and didn't have to think about it. Yeah. I mean, I still think about jewelry and metals and all of these things all the time because I also have a studio space and I am still a I still make an artist yeah, yeah I'm would still be doing practicing that anyways. Artist, but I would I'll always do it um but it's nice to have a job that feeds back into my creative practice mm-hmm. in a way which I think when I was deciding to go to grad school I knew I wanted to have a job where I would be stimulated in that way and yeah. that the things that I was experiencing or doing would in some way feed back into my practice just sort of you know peripherally yeah and so I think that you know it's kind of that's like everyone's dream right to like yeah it is. have those things integrated yeah and have do you find that has the job kind of surprised you by what it is like are you like oh this is what the editor is or are you like I kind of you kind of knew and I mean I I mean I've not been an, an editor. editor for a magazine <laughs> before but yeah. um you know, I mean, I, I understood the nuts and bolts of it. Yeah. Um, and the processes and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think anything about it has been surprising to me necessarily. Okay. Um, you know, it's as much work as I thought it would be. <laughs> when I said, Which is a okay, lot. yeah, I'll do that to yeah. Gwen. <laughs> oh, they're so lucky to have you. Oh, thanks. I mean, and that worked out so well. Yeah, you know, it was, um, I'm, I'm glad that it did. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I enjoyed doing it. So. so for the ACC conference, what is your intention with being here? Like, what do you do while you're here? Are you trying to find people that can write about jewelry that maybe aren't practicing jewelry artists themselves? Or Well, I mean, not just jewelry, but um, I'm, I had actually planned to come to this conference before I started working for SNAG. Oh, um, okay. I... I've, I said before I've never been to an ACC conference before, and it's because I've always, you know, sort of been in Utah. Yeah, in Utah, or like <laughs> just not not able to attend and and yeah. snag conferences too. Like I haven't often gone to snag conferences because yeah. I, you know, plus they're expensive. Hard. You can't. It's expensive. Yeah, it's like um, a, a true investment of your it time is, and money. It really is, and that's not to say it's not worth it because it absolutely is. Yeah, but you know, investment. when you're a grad student, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> holla, or when you're like working in a profession that's not a you know that isn't going to pay for you to go to a conference, yeah. then, you know, it's, it can be difficult. It's a very different thing. Then. Yes. Um, I don't remember where I was going with that. What well, was I was asking about? you what you're going to do here. <laughs> oh, <laughs> She's yeah. like, I'm chilling. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> I, what I'm going to do is have more coffee. Um, Same. The, um, 
you know, I I think there's going to be a lot of interesting conversations that take place mm-hmm. here over the next couple of days, um, and I'm curious to hear what they are. Um, I'm here you know, as part of SNAG to talk yeah. to people and to make connections with people to mm-hmm. hear kind of, you know, to hear what the conversations are about the field yeah. so that, you know, to be informed to bring and it back. to kind of know, you know, where we're going, what are we doing? What do we need to do? Well, and also SNAG's conference is going to be here. It is. Like yes. literally in this same space. Um, mm, it's going to be, I don't think it'll be in, the, it won't be in this building. Oh, what? It'll be in the... They have more rooms? There's a different one. I don't know. There's two Lowe's hotels? No, it's not in the Lowe's. It, it'll be in oh, the... Oh, um, there's a different hotel we're going to be in. Philadelphia 201, but I don't know if that's what it's going to be called. Oh, it might be the my Sheridan. bad. I thought it was this hotel. This is something... No. Mm. Mm, okay. There's a, I did there's think a that was kind of funny that we'd have it at the same hotel. But yeah, we're not. We're not. Mm-mm. I'm not... Okay. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I'm crazy. I say. But... You know, you guys have done some snag work because we had dinner the mm-hmm. other night and you yeah. guys did like a dry run of the yeah. gallery crawl. Yep. So um, so I, I drove up from Richmond and I have, you know, I grew up in this area. So I'm like visit, have, staying with friends and seeing my family and stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, Gwyn and Kristen and Ale are all here doing the site visit for our conference. Yeah. So they came in early and they've been, you know having meetings and you know checking out spaces and doing all the booking and all of those things so like they're yeah. here doing that I've been sitting in my friend's house um, <laughs> on my not chilling um, oh. on my computer with their cat in my lap yeah. uh, editing oh. the um, the copy that's coming in for um, the 40th issue oh that's yeah. a big deal it is wow man you really jumped in at a time that's pretty pivotal because it's yeah. big deal it is, yeah. Don't screw it up. Just Thanks. kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll try You're not doing to. amazing. Do you have somebody on that's writing about this conference? I do not. Yeah. I didn't know if you guys were going to. I mm-hmm. mean, if it's not jewelry related enough. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Mm, well, you know, we do cover other things. There'll be some, there there will be some coverage of some smaller, um, like regional events and conferences, which mm-hmm. people will see in the next issue of Metalsmith Tech. Probably, I mean, it'll be out in the next couple of weeks oh okay um it's about to go to the printers so that's um, exciting so you can look for that and that's something that i'm actually interested in people reaching out about is because you know i i'm in richmond yeah i know about things because i subscribe to a lot of listservs and read a lot but there's always little things that are going on um that aren't on my radar and that's why that's why people should email me oh didn't um did that work out with the blacksmith i connected you with Oh. It did, yes. I w- there, you guys, there's this... Well, if you listen to the podcast, I covered it. Mike Rossi. So I think there's an article going on, going to be in that issue about that experience. Yes. Cool. Yeah. Um, the person you got right, at, like, thanked me about that. He's oh. like, thanks for connecting us. I'm really nervous. And I was like, it's fine. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was scared to write an article as well. It's intimidating, but it's, yeah. a, it's such a empowering and wonderful thing to do to challenge yourself to write an article for something because it's putting yourself out there in a different way it is I mean I talk into a microphone and talk talk about my personal life a lot but (laughs) writing an article for Metalsmith magazine somehow felt like a bigger thing to me which is funny I mean it is yeah because it's permanently in print forever yeah well this these (laughs) these words these words that you're saying aloud into a microphone are out there too we all die just kidding (laughs) 
<laughs> you know that we die, right? You know that we die, right? <laughs> um, well, Adrian, this has been so lovely. Yeah. Thanks for taking the time out of your conference schedule to sit and speak with me. Um, it was so lovely. You're my first editor on the podcast. Oh. Um, and yeah. I was really excited to talk to somebody that's an editor because... You know, I think we all watched that movie, The Devil Wears Prada. And we're I like, have never oh, seen that movie. Oh, my God. You should watch it. Well, now you're an editor. You should watch I it. Even though, yeah, you should. Um, and I'm just like, what? how does somebody become the editor? Like, how do you make that happen? Um, so it's great to get insight how you ha- got your position. You have a bunch of jobs. <laughs> that don't make sense. That don't make sense. And then, but some of them do. Yeah. And you're at the right yeah. places at the right time, mm-hmm. networking, right smiling, people. and working hard. Be smart, work hard. Yep. Talk to people. Yeah. That's all the things. Well, thank you, Adrian. Oh, you're You've been welcome. Fantastic. Yeah. Thank you for having me. This has been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. I'm curious to hear how much of the sirens and the music end up. <laughs> I'll do my in best the final edit. Cut. Oh, God. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, this has been another episode of Perceived Value, the podcast broaching the subject of value with artists. Until next time. Perceived Value is recorded and produced by me, Sarah Rachel Brown. If you love the podcast and you want to show your support, become our patron. Visit patreon.com slash perceived value to learn more. Or check out our website at perceivedvaluepodcast.com and click on the support page. As always, thank you for listening. <laughs>